You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. All right, lads, how's it going? It's going very well. We're in a whirlwind of magic news. The world has, has toppled and changed. Arkham's Astrolabe has been banned in Popper. <laughs> wow. So so many things have happened. You buried the number to begin. Well, let's start with that. Arkham's Astrolabe. Three Popper experts. That's what the podcast is about. <laughs> what, do, what do we all think about this? <gasps> uh, two Poppers and a Prince, more like it. Am I right? Oh, oh, too far, hell, too far. Cheeky. Uh, Wait, who's the prince? The cheeky popper boys. Uh, I, I was fine. I am because I said it, but I, I clearly have no, no, um, <laughs> no, nothing to base that on at all. You're now king of mine. That's the well. The one of one of those is the new name of the podcast. It's either two poppers and a prince or three cheeky popper boys. <laughs> I like that one. That's good. <laughs> That's the the name of the podcast. Every second week we do a popper deep dive. But anyway, we should all switch in, to playing popper because uh, magic is dead. So. Magic, magic has never been more alive oh my today God. they've killed it they've killed it well as a podcast that if i remember correctly we started out with a somewhat of a frontier focus like we had a frontier segment so that's true we did yeah between between last week our 100th episode getting the pro tour uh pro tour dublin champion on uh lucas and then this week, the announcement of uh, the new format, Pioneer, which is basically Frontier. Uh, I think things have really come full circle and uh, everything that we have ever stood for has been kind of f- fulfilled and legitimized. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're at three Mirandas. Oh, that's, that's wrong. Three Nostradamuses in the future. <laughs> uh, so we do have a lot to talk about today. So let's uh, let's jump into it. We're going to talk about the Mythic Championship at the weekend, although it's kind of largely not irrelevant, but uh, reduced relevance now because of the ban and restricted announcement that happened today, which we are also going to talk about. That's why we're recording a little bit later. So the episode might be up a little bit later. It should be up at the same time anyway. It's fine. Uh, More like the Bant restricted announcement. Oh my God. Uh, We'll talk about Pioneer. And then we have a little tournament report from Kieran, who is crushing Modern at the moment. Oh, yes. All right. So did you guys watch any of the Mythic Championship coverage from the weekend? I did. I watched a good bit, uh, mostly because I was sitting at my PC for nine or ten hours in a row playing a Moto PTQ, as we uh, as we just referenced. Spoilers, I did not win. But uh, that, that gave me a lot of time in between rounds and stuff like that to sit and watch the... Um, watch the mythic championship stream i couldn't do it while i was actually playing my rounds because i i get confused if i'm hearing commentary about a magic game that's not the magic game i'm currently playing so i had to mute the stream and just listen to music while i was playing my own games but yeah i watched a good bit yeah i shouldn't have been weekend uh, i saw a good bit uh, last night though so i love the top eight yeah even top eight the last one. day three day three it's like a double elimination bracket now so it kind of takes forever and there's a lot of games yeah i constantly have to try to figure out how the bracketing worked but, um, yeah, they kept because also they they didn't have a bracket online. I don't think that you could keep up with. Which, if you ever watch like uh, Street Fighter tournaments, like fighting game tournaments, for example, they usually have double elimination all the way through. And but they usually have you can see the entire bracket online, and you can see who's going to face who next and stuff like that. And also, it was kind of confusing because 
I think the commentators found it a little hard to keep up with the bracket because they just kept, they didn't keep saying move, you know, they weren't like this player moves on to upper bracket semifinal or whatever. They were just like, they progress in the tournament. They were keeping it very generic whenever they, they said stuff like that. So yeah, it's complicated. It's, I mean, it's not complicated if you know how it works. It's the same as the GA, which we all follow. So, you know, that's easy. I have no idea how you qualify for Ireland. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a double elimination bracket. It's well, it's more like a Dublin elimination bracket for the last five years. Well, am I right, boys? Well, <laughs> come on, you you boys in green. All right, we ne- wear green. Talked about all of our favorite topics on this podcast. Yeah, Popper, yeah, Frontier. Yeah, yeah, mad. Uh, well, I, I noticed. I mean, I think overall, like not all of the coverage was very good, but I noticed a few hiccups. Like at one point, I was watching the game. Oh God, I think it was this, it was Sivka and Maguchi, I think, and there was like basically it was like a one of the one of the one of the guys kind of found a really kind of complicated line that started off with Sivka, but uh, you know, oh, you mind this is a fairy, bounces one of his own creatures, and does this, 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 and it was a really interesting line he was talking about. But um, but you know, the whole time the fairy was on two loyalty, and I was like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of a strange bit. I mean, obviously he's like, oh, it's you know, obviously Twitch Twitch chat were going mad, but uh, I was like, oh, it's easy for someone to miss that. And then later on, uh, someone mentioned uh, there's oh, someone. One player is making a big attack towards Anissa, and then uh, you know one one of the casters kind of said, "Oh well, I wish you could see how many loyalty counters Anissa has." So it seems like at least for all of day two, uh, the the casters couldn't see the number of loyalty counters that the maze lockers had. Oh, that's very strange. Yeah, and it's like, and then like I, I was, I think it was day nine, and Kibler and the cut back to them. They're like sitting on the couch, and you can see they they were you know some distance away from the screen. So obviously this wasn't ideal for for what they're doing. Yeah, strange stuff. I didn't notice that, but I. Again, I had it on mute a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, overall, yeah, I did not notice that. Yeah, but it was like, overall, it was it was it is was great. It was, it was it wasn't here for them; it was here for us. And it was uh, yeah. We kind of said again how said before about how good it is was to see you, know, you can see really see players thinking through the turns and kind of going through even like sideboarding and stuff. Uh, it's just so good to have that level of visibility on uh, what the players are doing. Yeah, I mean, I think like the, the situation you described there can very easily happen in paper as well. Like things get obscured on a paper battlefield much more easily. So I feel like that type of thing like definitely happens from tournament to tournament um, in paper. And I mean, it's it's worth it if most of the other stuff it's like very clear, as you said. Um, sideboarding, being able to see sideboarding adds a lot to the tournament. Uh, you know, in paper tournaments, the casters have to just kind of say what they think the players are doing which is not great not really good um so i think i think overall minor hiccups aside uh, that's fine the things that are not fine in my opinion are arena crashing and games having to be restarted uh not being able to be remade so there was a big thread from uh, david williams and lucas got in on it as well because lucas had problems with one of his matches that crashed and had to be restarted and uh yeah that that's it's just really not not okay like the 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 thread with david williams he he said that he he they were in game three of a match and he was very far ahead on board and the game crashed and they had to restart the game and he lost the game so i mean that's that's awful um so things like that yeah yeah that's terrible yeah they need to they need to figure out some way to like recreate game states from last known information or whatever. I know that you can't really do it because like the players' libraries and stuff like that, but oh, it's so unfortunate that things like that can be easily fixed in paper, but then just can't be on digital. So I think they need to do something with that or, you know, do something to improve the stability of Arena because as we all know, 
like arena is chugging a lot these days um it lags if you leave the there seems to be some kind of memory leak or something if you leave the client running for more than a few games it just starts to drop frames constantly so there's definitely technical problems with arena but i mean look it's still still magic and it's still fun and fast and very visual and nice so but uh yeah i would like to see them uh, clean those things up and then also the tournament format as we mentioned double elimination on day three i think is great but like for the cut from day one to day two is very harsh so i just don't think in a 68 player tournament 64 players on day one that you should be using swiss and tiebreakers to to cut because uh, i think a couple of players who are four and three made it and then mo- like a good number of players who are four and three did not make it there must be some way to do a clean cut there. I think a tournament like this, double elimination all the way through, sounds fine to me. Yeah, double elimination is pretty rough in a game like Magic, where you can have like just a matchup that's that's so bad that you basically just don't have much of a chance. You know, just having that having that happen to you twice in a row and you being out of the tournament is pretty rough. So I don't know. I think having some kind of modified Swiss where even if even if it comes down to breakers and it's a bit messy it like it's still st- like i don't know there's enough variance in magic already where i don't think we need to compound that by uh by by making it double a limb you know what i mean in in a small tournament like this obviously if we're talking about a big field pro tour or a gp or something like that the tournament may as well be double a limb anyway because you know you pick up two losses you're you're close to dead <laughs> as it is but even then you can maybe still take a third loss in some circumstances well, that's the thing. I think a tournament like this, it actually makes more sense to me to be double limb because even though you could have that variance scenario that you're talking about there, uh, I think, you know, that's, mm, I don't know. It doesn't feel good to, to travel travel to a different continent for a tournament or whatever and get to play two games and you're out. Sure. Okay. I know what you mean. But like in, a, in this particular tournament, in, in the Arena Mythic Championships, and as they will continue to be, like the, the Arena Mythic Invitationals, the minimum prize for showing up and, and losing immediately is $7,500. So like, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's true. It's not bad. It also gives them a lot less content that they get to create and record VODs of and stuff like that. Um, if you're just having double limb, like the players get cut down a lot faster than in Swiss. Sure. But I think, uh, I don't know. Three-day tournaments are weird. Yeah, it is pretty long. Yeah, yeah. maybe there's some kind of other tournament structure that could be used, but it just felt very arbitrary. The like, I know that tiebreakers in general are arbitrary, but you can often... like, It's not that often that the, the top player on a different record you know, gets in, or it, it does happen you know, a fair bit, but uh, I don't know. It just seemed weird in this tournament because that record to get in to day two was four and three, which is like not a very good record. Yeah, I wonder, is that, yeah, I don't know, it's weird. Anyway, overall, tournament was interesting, fun to watch. Um, 42% Golos decks, only one in the top eight, but then nine through 16 were all Golos. Mm, What other decks were there? Simic Food was a a big feature of the tournament, uh, with that team playing four Disdainful Strokes in the main. Questing Beast in order to prey on the Golos decks. Uh, a couple of Golos Fires decks played by like Autumn Burchett and stuff. Mm, what else was popular? There was a few Gruel decks. Mardu Knights with some slightly different builds like from Ken Yukihiro and stuff. He had an interesting build. So Embercleave was a fairly important card in the tournament and it did in fact end up winning in the hands of Javier Dominguez. Yeah, I think it's pretty much what people expected, right? Yeah. 
I did. Like, in yeah. terms of the field and everything like that. I was very surprised there was literally only one mono red player. Like, that was pretty wild to me. Yeah. Nishi Chan holding out with his buy. Yeah. And the fact that, he, yeah, the fact that he top aided with it is incredible as well. Yeah. He did have a buy into day two for winning the, the split, but um, he obviously did, then still did well with the deck in day two. Uh, well enough to top eight. So, fair play to him. Yeah, and especially because like you would expect him to have dominated on day one when there was so much more Golos, right? But day two there was a lot more Simic than Golos. Or am I wrong on that? Mm, I'm not 100 percent sure what the conversion rates were actually. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think I think it was pretty much what people expected. I don't really know how much people are even interested <laughs> in terms of listening to us talk about this because everyone kind of knew going in what the decks would be. I think it performed as, as everyone expected. Maybe we thought we'd see more Golos in the top eight. Yeah, but it was still a, a very dominating performance. And yeah, that was it. Like, great to see Javier Dominguez win. Of course, he's a great competitor and uh, very sportsmanlike. And, and I always like watching him play. And it was a super stacked top eight as well. I got to say, I was happy to see um, Gabe Nassif as well make make a return to uh, to the Mythic Championship Mythic Championship top eight. One of, one of the greatest of all time. And he was obviously delighted to be back there. Uh, one other thing I would say about the maybe presentation and stuff like that in terms of, uh, you know, niggles we had was the players didn't seem to know or only got told last minute that I believe the top two got uh, a place at Worlds or was it that Javier already had his place at Worlds locked up so it went to the runner-up or something like that. But it was mentioned to Mangucci, I think, in his semi-final interview uh, and he had no idea. And then I think uh, Depra also was surprised to learn that he was he had qualified for Worlds by getting to the final as well. So that's a bit strange that that those guys didn't know that. Yeah, I think I think with Depra is like he he was uh, he got he got he was almost asking if he was because you know, he was because he he'd obviously seen in a Gucci interview before where you know Gucci just learned that yeah uh, well, it was for the second reason you mentioned is because. Yeah, usually first place gets to gets the Royals. Uh, yeah, Dominguez already has has his position, so they go to second. So uh, yeah, but we should learn he was playing for uh, for the yeah, world slot, and then the prize was like, oh, am I am I also doing that? And then after he won, he was like, so I I got to, I go to Worlds. So I think there's something that I, I guess they spend it to be a nice moment because like you're going to see the, the surprise on the players' faces. But uh, yeah, like you're saying, it does come across as a, a little bit sloppy, uh, even uh, unprofessional. And yeah, because it's supposed to be so confusing for. For either player to be like, is this, a, this is obviously this is a big game, but this was, is this really what's on the line? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know, and like I don't know if the players like split prizes or discuss anything like that at uh, at Mythic Championships. But imagine if you'd agree to split with your opponent, but and you so you agreed to concede the finals or like you know something. I don't. I'm not saying this happened, but like imagine something like that happens, and then afterwards you find you know you find out that uh, you had actually been playing for a slot of worlds you didn't know about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's, it's definitely strange. Yeah, it's it's just kind of indicative of like the kind of the big mess that organized play is in right now, where still nobody's quite sure what what anything means. Um, it is all kind of starting to shake out now, though. Where it's you know it's fairly it's fairly set, but it's still it it is funny to know that people who are in the MPL, people who are at the highest level of competition, like this is literally their job to know about these things and they're just like not aware of certain things that can qualify for them. Uh, but I do think that actually it, it worked out fine on coverage because of that moment with uh, Jean-Emmanuel Duprat who, uh, and, and learning that he was in Worlds, like, cause he, he had said the previous day, I think, uh, in a, a post-game interview 
that he you know that was his kind of goal for the tournament obviously winning winning is a goal but uh, other than that was to try to lock up a spot at worlds so um i think seeing that moment for him was was quite nice it was obviously uh, fairly emotional for him yeah and I, I also enjoyed uh, becca's enthusiasm in that moment she was like literally jumping up and down so happy that she was able to like confirm for him that that's what was happening I thought Becca was great all weekend. By the way, she's a, she's a great personality, and she's uh, she's it was funny. She's like professional, but she's also kind of clearly in the moment doing things and stuff like that. She doesn't come across as like stiff or like corporate or anything like that. Um, I, th- I think she's a really good uh, host. And day nine on hosting duties also absolutely brilliant as always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was saying as well that I think Maria Maria is so good. <laughs> Maria is like one of the best ads to the coverage team in the last i don't know however many years since she's started she's been there about what like two or three years maybe um she's just such obviously she comes from like tv or whatever so she's just such a a professional and uh great at the job like i I mean i don't want to hate on rich hagan but she's better than rich (laughs) yeah she she is she's she's brilliant and obviously we all know cedric is very good at what he does he's been he's been doing scg and, and been the master of that for years it's excellent to see him on coverage as well he's he really knows how to, how to turn it on and, and be a really entertaining figure. Um, so appreciating him on camera as well. And having, you know, Kibler obviously been doing Hearthstone for years and years at this point has just gotten better and better and better at this kind of uh, hosting and casting stuff. So I think the coverage team is just at an all-time high. Uh, I think you were saying this the other day, Wolf, to me. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just, this is the best magic, magic coverage has ever been easily, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Props for that. Oh, Carl Weathers, God, that was... <laughs> That was a lovely surprise. Oh my! There's a arena ad. Well, to be honest, I mean that's one of the negatives that I would have with the coverage is that they kept showing that ad, and I was so sick of it by the end. Like it's a fun ad, okay? Yes, it's a training montage, '80s movies, blah blah blah. But I was so sick of it by the end. I did like the the little interstitial segments that they had with the uh, the, the phone calls with with uh, pro players. Those were kind of weird and fun. I like those, but also they needed more of them because those have to be so easy to make and there were only like four or five and again, they kept repeating them. I actually found that more annoying than them repeating the ad, uh, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. I think it's it's definitely my my experience was, I think it was really only towards Sunday evening, I was like sitting down watching a lot of it. And I did the first time you see each of these things, you're like, oh my God, that's great. And then once they start cycling again, you're like, oh yeah, well, let's let's do this. Yeah, Red Duke really loves oatmeal. Okay, got it. Exactly. I liked when he said he eats frozen pizzas straight out of the freezer. Yeah, I didn't really get that. Was he saying that he eats them frozen or what? I think he was joking, but with Reed, it's it's kind of hard to tell. He's so deadpan. Yeah, love it. All right. Also, I like finding out that he likes dressing up as a as a Renaissance fair guy. I thought that was hilarious as well. Pretty funny. Even as a pro Magic player, you could still find a way to make yourself seem even nerdier. I appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, when it comes down to the games, I mean, like good games all weekend, enjoyable, you know, great moments in individual games. But overall, you know, coming into the weekend, I feel like everybody already knew that this standard format was a lame duck format because of the looming ban and restriction announcement on Monday, um, which is today. And yeah, so that, that kind of took away from some of the, the weight of the results of the tournament. Yep, I agree. Um 
it probably took a lot of pressure off the coverage team, honestly, having that BNR coming up and that Twitch chat was probably not as uh, rabid as it otherwise, otherwise would have been about Golos and everything like that. Um, and kind of people watching, you know, probably were in, were in a better mood knowing that it was probably going to get banned after the tournament, but it's still a weird position to be in. It's just one of those ones where, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like going to like a football match or something like that, where, where, you know, one of the teams you're watching has already locked up the league and, and basically there's, you know, there's no, you know, there's no excitement you can really draw from that at this point. Obviously you're still rooting for your favorite players and stuff in this aspect and there are results on the line, but you're not you're not going to really see anything uh anything new and cool it's like we've seen it all already we know we know what the result is yeah so with that do you guys want to move on to talk about the banner announcement and what we think standard will be like now yeah absolutely i think it was a great yes. idea astrolabe was way too strong they needed to ban it <laughs> yeah such a such a terrible way like, uh, as far as i know um, popper has been an absolute dumpster fire for well for as long as people realize like, what astrolabe was I do actually want to talk about the Astrolabe thing for a second. We can move over to Standard in a second. I'm just, why did they not ban it two weeks ago? Why did they ban it now? I just don't get that. Yeah, it is very strange how, I mean, presumably it was a Standard ban that motivated them to bring this forward. Um, but then, yeah, maybe they, we have no idea. It's, it's not like anything changed, you know, in Popper for the last few weeks. Yeah, exactly. I just, I find that so interesting. Maybe it's like... Maybe the, the reaction to their previous no changes was part of what motivated them to say, okay, well, actually, people are very angry about this. We need to make changes. And they brought the, they brought the announcement forward to help with the standard tournament, so like the Mythic Championships, because there's another Mythic Championship in about three weeks, which is insane, and then another one a month after that. Um, so the it was mainly motivated by standard to to bring it forward, but then they thought, oh well, because of people's strong reaction to no astrolabe ban, clearly it must be necessary. So let's just do it now as well. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It's just it's yeah. just it's weird because like that is the only reason that makes sense, and it's weird to see them respond to pressure in that way, just from like you know the uh, the 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 general public. I don't know. It is it's strange. I wonder if attendance like sharply or, you know, if entries to popper leagues on Moda or something immediately like fell off after the BNR because people were just sick of the format at that point or something. Yeah, it could be. But obviously it's, it's you know, it's good for the format because <laughs> the format went insane, I think, with Arkham's Astrolabe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like it's one of those cards that is like effectively reduces your deck size by four, like it's a cantrip. And then... It also put all these snow incentives, but because it filters colors, then you know it. It's just basically, it, you know, it, it powers up mana bases massively. Um, and you can also turn it into a three-three elk in modern. <laughs> you certainly can, yeah. Uh, but I think the combo, and they they call this out in the in the BNR uh, kind of reasoning, the combos with uh, the kind of blink creatures in in that deck in popper were the the real things that pushed it over the edge um so uh course guy fisher and uh ephemerate sorry ephemerate is an instant not a creature uh but then also trinket mage to fetch it up uh just made it a kind of ridiculous yeah ephemerate might still be a problem but at least that won't be every deck now you'll have to at least dedicate your deck to that so maybe it won't be so bad yeah 
Uh, do, do, okay, so yeah, let's talk about standard. I guess that's that's enough popper. Well, hold on, hold on. But <laughs> do you think? <laughs> I love how we're actually talking about popper. So <laughs> well, no, I don't. I don't want to talk about popper now. I think. Do you think uh, Arkham's Astral Hip should be banned in modern? Um, I think it's no, not at the moment. But I, let, keep an eye on it, type of thing. Um, I, it's it's very strong. Urza decks are everywhere. If you ban something from the Urza deck, though, I don't think it's Astrolabe. I think you ban one of the Moxes or something like that, or or Urza itself. Um, yeah, I suppose it's, I guess, in a way, the parallel modern ID kind of itself in terms of, like, you know, not every deck is going to want to play Astrolabe in modern, uh, whereas every deck, well, it was almost close to every deck in Popper wanted to play it uh, because, I guess, you know, your, your mana fixing is so limited. Uh, it turns out, you know, throwing a few Snow Basics in there and playing Astrolabe is what a lot of decks wanted to do. Obviously, not as many decks in modern want to do that. Yeah, that's a big part of it, I think. Yeah, like it's seeing a lot of play in modern, but I don't think it's like oppressive at the moment. Oko is on the rise in modern, as I as I kind of uh, hinted at a second ago, and honestly, that might be a reason why why Astrolabe eventually has to go. Uh, like, but that might the problem might be that Oko has to go in modern eventually. Who knows? Uh, but that that card is popping up everywhere. Um, but yeah, no changes in modern for the moment, which is which I'm happy about. Oh yes, they should just ban every zero and one mana artifact in modern. One mana as well. Yeah, well, I mean, if you got to ban astrolabe, you got to ban amulet of vigor, expedition map, wishing well. Yeah, yeah, w- wishing right. well. Yeah, expedition map. So this is actually pretty fair across the board here. Jund <laughs> loses uh, Nile spell bomb, right? No, wait. Yeah, it does. Relic. Relic. So yeah, it hits everything pretty fairly. Just ban every zero and one mana artifact, and you've got uh, a fair yeah. format. You lose Pity Needle and all the Planeswalkers get powerful. And... No, you still have uh, Sorcerer's Spyglass. It's fine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, people play that anyway. Yeah, over it. You just play with uh, Ugin, and then you can play your Sorcerer's Spyglass for free. Whoa, love it. I've been yes. doing that recently with Eldrazi Tron, casting Chalices for one for free with, Al- with Ugin. <laughs> Wait, you're great. six mana Ugin? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> all the Eldrazi Tron lists play that. They don't play the eight mana one. I guess, yeah, it makes all your spells two mana cheaper. Yeah, you get to play like every Eldrazi in your hand the next turn if you if you trond it out on turn three. And late game, it's just nice as well. It's a pretty good card. Yeah, okay, fair enough. All right, well, let's move on to the actual headline, which is the standard banning. So Field of the Dead is banned. So uh, Ian Duke did his usual explanation here. And yeah, I just explained that it's very powerful. There's very very few resources that it needs to uh, create the constant stream of two twos, and it's a completely inevitable win condition. Makes games really really long. Uh, so we're seeing tournaments go over time, and they were seeing win condition or the the win percentage online. It's funny enough that they didn't actually mention the win percentage online, which they have done in the past. Um, so I feel like maybe it's not as high as some of the other like decks that have been banned in in standard recently but anyway uh yeah so you know all all the reasons that everybody knows (laughs) they're banning field of the dead you know it's it's uh creating long games uh messy board states making tournaments go over time uh invalidates control decks because um because they they just can't deal with the constant stream of tutus it has plenty of anti-aggro tools uh to deal with the uh extreme aggro creatures basically it puts the format in such a place where the only things that can deal with it are well these oko decks that are main decking uh disdainful stroke which is obviously a kind of a warp very warped place to be and then 
fast aggro decks that also have uh, evasion or like creatures that are that are relatively big. So like the as we see the the gruel decks that have questing beast, and then they have a lot of creatures with uh, trample and flying, and then embercleave to give trample and double strike. Uh, those are the decks that can successfully get around it. But even something like mono red, which is fast out of the gate, very quickly gets invalidated if you have your nut draw of you know our boil grazer. Our boil grazer is just insane turn one against mono red, right? You're gonna block uh, fervent champions for days, and then you're able to power out. Um, an early Golos, and once you're making tutus, there's basically no way to win for the mono red deck because they don't have enough burn anymore to to take you down. Um, so that basically the those are the reasons why they banned it. And they did have a little uh, tidbit at the end of the announcement here. It says, finally, we're aware of a few other community concerns regarding the standard environment, including that early acceleration into planeswalkers can be frustrating and that the color green is strong across a variety of standard archetypes. We'll continue to monitor the health of the environment, but feel it's important to allow the metagame to adjust to the absence of Field of the Dead before further evaluation. As a philosophy, we prefer that players' deck building and metagame choices drive the evolution of the environment whenever possible, rather than be in our intervention. So that seems like a clear call out to uh, things like Oko or Teferi, uh, more, probably more specifically Oko. So, I, I mean, if Oko continues to dominate, I, I would expect it to be banned, Not maybe not next announcement, but the one after that. Mm, I would expect it to be next announcement, probably. So people were suggesting, um, I think Brad Nelson was the one who said this first on Twitter, maybe, that they should have considered banning Nyssa in this announcement um, alongside Field of the Dead. Like, in that way, you don't hit the marquee mythic of the new set, but you do hit basically one of the, one of the best cards in the Oko deck and, and the card that if you watch the matches of the Mythic Championship in the Mirrors, this was the card that decided all those games. So that would take that power level down quite a bit. Yeah, being able to get your Nissa online and play a massive Hydroid Crisis first, or even just a constant stream of 3-3s often is a decider in the games. Yeah, that actually, that sounds to me like a pretty decent solution to the problem. And like, I know Nissa is, I'm sure Nissa is a little bit expensive. I'm not sure exactly how much she costs, but definitely not as financially impactful to, um, to players as... Oh, you know, banning Oko would be it's three euro on card market. Okay, so I think I think she's more than that in uh, in America, maybe. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's only a rare, right? It's only a rare. Which again, I'm gonna complain that Teferi is like 16, 17 euro or whatever he is uh, when he is also the same <laughs> as Nissa. It's like forty tickets on Magic Online. It is God. absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, I think Nissa would have been a good ban. Yeah, I think so, because I suppose you know, we, we mentioned before how we saw it on the approach where, yeah, we're going to ban this one card for this really powerful deck, and because we anticipate this sort of deck rising up to, to take its place, we'll, we'll nerf those as well. Uh, and I think, especially the last few days over Twitter, it's just been, especially, you know, uh, why, people, why people are watching uh, the MCU, there's so many, so much speculation of low, all, all sorts of different green cards banned, people talk about banning Hydro Crisis as well, for, for similar, similar kind of reasons uh, you mentioned there. Um, but I feel like, you know, it's the this probably is the most straightforward approach just to ban this and, and just to have some kind of throwaway comments again saying, oh, we'll keep in mind the format. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's likely um, Oko definitely will dominate uh, in the short term at least. Uh, maybe something will adapt. So I guess at least at least with these RAM decks, there's, you, you, have more, you have more ways to interact. Uh, you, can, you can, like, you can, play, you can always interact with Blazewalkers, whereas I think just to access that the field of the dead decks played on, there's so little you can do once, uh, once they're going off. You can... So you have tap out for Nissa, they can still, you know, what's the, the, the one black, or even a Spurless Rider, or uh, the 
Noxious Grasp, uh, or clean up all. I'd say clean answers, but you already got some value ahead in this and ahead of Opo, uh, even if they have that in their hand. Yeah, what they should do is they should add priority for the non-active player when, before uh, Planeswalker activations. That's what they should do to fix this. Oh my god, that would be so terrible. Oh wow. Like, uh, Planeswalker gets the counters as an ETB trigger? No, that wouldn't work. Oh my god, guys, please. <laughs> Change the rules. Yeah. Change the rules of the game to fix planeswalkers. Ban all planeswalkers. That's what we should do. All three. I mean, well, that would be so bad. So what? What? Uh, what do you guys think about the format going forward? Obviously, Oko will dominate. Um, it's just so insane. But maybe like Teferi has been trending down. Maybe we can see a control deck with counters come back. Um, Dance of the Mans. Maybe that Esper deck is okay against the Oko decks, right? Mm, I don't know. I feel like they just have like mana dorks to sacrifice and stuff like that. I, I don't know. Interesting. I'm I'm interested to see if that deck comes back. Yeah, it's certainly a lot better now because Golos was easily your worst matchup and basically made it unplayable. So yeah, that's that'd be worth a go again. Maybe your Esper hero could be a thing again because that also couldn't do shit against Golos. Uh, mono red has to be worse now, right? Because if a lot of people are playing Oko, yeah, mono red I would say is probably completely unplayable. If, ever, if there's just going to be food tokens everywhere. Gruel is maybe still okay. Probably uh, probably not, though. Constant 3-3s three are tough to deal with from Gruel. Black Green Adventures maybe not bad at the moment. Like Murderous Rider, Swift End is like not the worst way in the world to deal with uh, to deal with Oko. Yeah, and obviously the, the Simic food decks have no real direct removal in the deck. Some of them play, well, they play Wicked Wolf. But, you know, that doesn't come online early enough to deal with an Edgewell Innkeeper, but the Innkeeper that has come down and turned one and already gotten tons of value. Uh, mm-hmm. Same thing for Voracious Hydra, which they also play. Can't come down until earliest turn three, and even then you're not really very happy with playing a... Well, I guess it can come down on turn two if you have a Gilded Goose on turn one. But again, not very happy with spending your food and making a one-two Voracious Hydra just to kill the Edgewell Innkeeper. Um which may have even already gotten value if you went second. So, yeah, maybe Golgari Adventures could be good. Mm, although it was, it did pretty badly at the MC, right? Had, like, one of the worst win percentages of any deck. True. No, I mean, not many people playing it either, right? I don't know. I feel like at this MC, what can we even take from the results at this point? Yeah. I, I'd be up for trying it. I feel like it's, it's, I feel like it's, a, the, it's a decent power level deck that has kind of a Jundi 50% game against most decks in the format so i think it'd be a fine place to start if you wanted to yeah yeah that's a good point or let's put them together and i've been crushing the lather the last few days with salt eye food um basically splashing black for just murderous rider and uh like a few cyborg cards assassin's trophy and stuff like that oh and Vraska, Vraska, Vraska is very good yeah i think Vraska gets a lot better now we got Vraska. it was hard to play Vraska against the golos x yeah being able to deal with any three mana permanent uh, i.e. Oko is pretty good it is unfortunate that like if you're on the draw as well they'll probably have a 3-3 already ready to kill it but if you can untap with it that's also pretty decent um, yeah I found it good but I sideboarded out a lot do you guys think we could see the return of Arclight Phoenix or is Ashiok just too good I suppose people have less of a reason by Ashiok uh, you know, if Ashiok was, was, was tech for Golos does Ashiok do much against anything else at, at the moment no, I guess not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it might be a small space of time uh, while yeah, we're we're being played. Um, 
Well, there is that, like, the mono blue mill, self mill deck that has Arclight Phoenix. It's not strictly mono blue because it has black and red for creeping chill and stuff. But I think that was very metagamed against Golos because Golos was, like, slow to clock you. So you could pretty much always get some birds in the yard. Um, but now, Oko decks, you know, they might seem like they're slow on the face of things because you're like, oh, you're playing a turn mana, turn three. Three mana planeswalker, or sometimes turn two, you're making a food. Who cares? But actually, they they hit you pretty quick because you can either animate that food or cast a questing beast or a wicked wolf next turn. Uh, wicked wolves attack pretty pretty big when they or they can be big when they're attacking. Not to mention the fact that Phoenix itself, you know, it's their their three power and a constant stream of food does uh, blank the phoenixes. Yeah, that is true that the food yeah, lines up to be a fog for one Phoenix. And at some point, you know, you, you, you can probably cast a Hydroid Crisis and then you can just block it forever. I mean, I, personally, I think the plan is get ready for lots of Oko Mirrors by being the bigger Oko deck. Yeah, yeah, so there's like a mass manipulation or something in there. So maybe that's kind of reason to be uh, semi-product or semi Yeah, I mean, other things that you can do are like decks that... Uh, uh, accumulate like a, a lot of insane advantages like the um what the hell is that deck called the the quasi duplicate deck that has like risen reef go back to some elemental synergies that those go like crazy over the top especially if there's a lot of decks not playing removal for the uh the risen reef yeah i kind of forgot elementals were still in the format yep they did not rotate yeah Ooh. so on that could be good against loads of like stalled creature boards we also had the development of this teamer Planeswalkers deck to, again as a bit of a reaction to Golos. It was very similar to the Simic deck, but then it just had red also for uh, some remo- removal spells in the sideboard and uh, Sarkin to create a quick clock. I, I have to say, I think I would like the the Sultai version against that, and I, I have played against it on the ladder, and I usually win just because the black removal is too good. Casualties of war in the sideboard, extreme value. Yes. It's kind of funny how we, I think a lot of people assume this would up a standard ride up. And I guess we've shown examples of how yeah, there are different strategies you can try now. Um, and I, just, I just hope it continues to stay uh, healthy before everyone realizes, like, or instead of everyone just realizing that you know, it's, you're just going to be more, more, more Oko mirrors. And if, yeah, maybe the first thing you said, be the bigger Oko mirror breaker. It's what you want to do, at least for the first few weeks. And like, obviously, we're just speculating. We don't want to be too negative. But like, if that does happen, in my opinion, one of the biggest problems is Teferi, because like otherwise you could just dominate this like uh this Simic kind of mid-rangey strategy where they're like doing this dorky stuff with a three mana planeswalker with just like you know, like a like a blue black control deck or something like that. But you just can't play those decks because Teferi is shuts them off too badly. Like that card is still warping standard, even if it's not the card we're talking about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's like, I I played against like a blue, a blue back uh you know, down the lock deck with some mill and some, you know, with the lock deck sponsor and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, it's, it's, it does seem quite powerful when you're not playing Teferi. When you, but then, of course, then there's going to be lots of matchups where one of his main people are playing Teferi and uh, just the deck just doesn't, doesn't function. Well, that that's kind of what I was saying earlier that Teferi is trending down. And I know that people were taking Teferi out of their, or like cutting Teferi from a lot of their bank Golo decks down to like two or three copies or sometimes cutting it entirely. But uh, it was still, you know, present in a lot of Golos decks. I, I personally was on four because I just always thought it was really good. Um, and so with that deck banned, there's one less obvious top tier deck that runs Teferi. 
And I know that there are still Bantramp decks and Bant Food decks that can run it, but I think they are less played than the straight Simic version. And there's no other real like clear deck that Teferi goes in, apart from like the Esper Dance of the Mans deck, uh, which again has kind of fallen out of favor. So I, with no clear deck for Teferi, I think at least in the short term right now, it's the time to try counter spells again. Maybe, maybe when people aren't thinking about it. Like again, I said Esper Hero. I think that deck could be back. Like Jeskai Fires is still going to be around. I think that strategy is, you know, it's it's neither here nor there. Whether Oko or whether Field of the Dead being gone makes that particularly worse or better or whatever. I think people will still be trying that out. I, I do think there's a couple decks for Teferi. I think people will be trying it out. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and I suppose like, even like you know, in, in Band, Band Food, I think it was, well, Miguchi's list, uh, he didn't play Teferi. So, so, well, at least over the weekend, there were people playing Teferi colors without playing Teferi. Well, in, in that spot, I think Manguchi was playing like Deputy of Detention in its place, right? Which, if if you're just straight porting his deck into this new format, I think it's a very clear um, it's a very clear decision to replace that deputy of detention with Teferi, considering the deputy is mainly there for zombies, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Now, like I said, uh, deputy's code when there's less removal, and I go, well, next stop so far. I mean, it seems like where people will be playing more removal uh, if people are going to be countering the Simic Cramp decks. Yeah. Something black. A brand new format. When when are these announcements live? Is it soon? Is it now? It uh, is. <laughs> no, they are. It's 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 effective on Magic Online. Yes, uh, Magic Online is effective now. Uh, Magic Arena it's effective October twenty fourth, which is Thursday, and in paper October twenty fifth, which is Friday. Oh, I could I, I could play the paper one more time on Thursday. It's, it's good. And the next announcement is November 18th, which was the original time that this announcement should have happened. Oh, so they didn't even so they didn't bring it forward. They just made a new announcement. Yeah. So this is an emergency ban. We can look back in history and call this an emergency ban. I mean, the players will all call it an emergency ban, but Wizards won't. Should. Okay, well, talking about emergency bans, who, <laughs> what are the bets? We have emergency bans, but they won't be emergency. They'll just be, they'll be scheduled, but they'll be uh, definitely called for. In the newest format, the newest magic format, which is Pioneer, not Frontier, but very closely named to Frontier. I am so excited for this. This is, this is fantastic news. Yeah. This is really pretty great. So it's a new new magic format in paper only. Well, paper and magic online. So no plans to bring it to Arena currently. And it is going to be from Return to Ravnica forward. But the only cards that are banned day one are the five Cans Fetchlands. So this is a type of format that has been speculated about for a long time. Obviously, Frontier kind of was not successful. Um, but I think people who engage with the format and who continue to think about it even after it kind of failed out of the gate did speculate that the format would be better without fetches and more exciting and, and more interactive and you know less uh, less four color good stuff. Uh, without fetches, although it, it it is weird to me that they chose to start from Return to Ravnica and not M15, like with the frame change, like they did with Modern. Um, so there must be some cards in Return to Ravnica and Theros that they wanted to have included in the format. Um, the first thing that jumped to my mind earlier was Rest in Peace as an answer to Graveyard shenanigans in the format. Although I feel like we've had reasonable Graveyard hate cards over the block of that time. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get more information on it um, 
when the format or uh, when the broadcast, the weekly MTG broadcast goes up this week on Thursday. Uh, so Aaron Forsyth will be on there to uh, answer questions about Pioneer. So we'll, we should get some more information at that time. But uh, yeah, anything you guys think interesting or should we should mention about Pioneer before we go on and talk about decks that we're excited for? Oh, there's just so many things to talk about. Uh, I don't think, I don't know, I just thought of now, maybe this, is, this doesn't have any quality weight, but I, I guess like there is a sense that, um, like, we talked before about how, what, the reason why we liked Frontier so much and why we liked uh, the idea of starting at M15 is because it includes cards that were there when we started playing Magic. Uh, I'm already saying that there was a big boom in Magic Gathering at, at the time of Return to Africa. And would that be a motivation for wanting to start there? Yeah, I, I think from from Return to Ravnica into Cannes, there was a, a really big boom in players. Okay, yeah, I think people really look and people really look fondly back at that standard format uh, as being something very good. Yeah, but uh, yes, yeah, so very excited. Uh, yeah, so part of this announcement was they wanted to bridge the gap between modern, which has become a very old, very expensive format now. It's become like the enfranchised format in the way that kind of legacy was when modern started. So modern is now kind of being moved into the legacy position as legacy moves further towards like completely being unaffordable for most players. Obviously modern is still going to be incredibly popular and it's not going to go exactly the way of legacy, but it's certainly, uh, I think, I think there will be a really big um, adoption rate for pioneer and that will certainly push modern into a smaller role. I mean, just, you know, there's going to be a similar number of events and now some of them are going to be Pioneer. And I feel like probably those Pioneer events will will be taking away from the modern slice of the event pie more than they will take away from the standard slice. I think specifically for the Pro Tour especially, that's true. Like, pros have complained for like a long time about having Modern on the Pro Tour and not being as competitive a format. They don't like testing for it, um, all that stuff. So I think... Pros and specifically are going to be really happy with this. Um, I don't know the average player if that makes such a difference. Modern GPs are still really, really popular, right? So I don't know how much they're going to want to cut down on those. But in terms of stuff like MCQs, I think it makes a lot more sense to have this as the format they're trying to keep competitive and you know update the ban list regularly and and stop it kind of cracking at the seams like modern so often does these days, just because. It's such a powerful format. There's so many ways to break it, and I think uh, it, it just it's it's at a level where it probably just shouldn't be in the forefront of competitive play anymore. Yeah, that's that's, that's definitely true. And I think um, I think the fact that you see a lot of SGG opens kind of tend towards having more modern events, it makes me wonder like maybe they just put in more numbers that people just like prefer watching modern, but <laughs> the pros don't like playing it as much or don't like uh, 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 testing for it as much. Yeah, as well as, like, for, for the for the average player, it just you know it it's increased card availability because like you know when when frontier came out people you know people dismissed it as oh this is this uh these japanese stores they have excess uh rotated standard staples that they want to get rid of and and give value to and i mean that is really the case there are a lot of cards from return to ravnica all the way up to now that were very powerful in standard but they're not good enough for modern and they will be format staples in pioneer um so there will be increased availability for those cards you know they're 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 not going to get to um, modern price levels as such except for maybe a few cards things that were already expensive like jace friends prodigy or liliana the last hope um yeah i mean there's also a lot of cards in there that 
are very, very cheap because they were banned and they are no longer banned. Cards like Smuggler's Copter and Emrakul the Aeon's Torn and Aetherworks Marvel. Oh, yes. Promised Androder. Oh, yeah. Promised. Okay. I said Aeon's Torn. Yeah, Emrakul's Promised. Yeah. Aetherworks <laughs> Marvel. But uh, it's been a while since I speculated that. So, what cards can we cast off Marvel now? Can't can't cast Emrakul the Aeon's Torn, unfortunately. Cannot. Uh, yeah, because it's. it's, it's we kind of saw like uh, after these cards have been banned, we saw these cards get banned in, in standard. We saw them print kind of what seemed like pretty neat answers to them. So, uh, I mean, ideally, hopefully, this, this, this format is powerful enough that we don't see just one of those you know, old band decks become uh, completely dominant. Yeah, I, I think those are the obvious places to start, but there are so many sets in. So, I, I just had a quick look. It's 29 sets in the format. I think there's plenty of answers to uh, most of. Yeah, most most of those strategies at this point. Uh, just continuing a little bit on the article, they they do have a justification on why Return to Ravnica was chosen. So they said one goal in creating Pioneer was for the format to be large enough to have cross block synergies to give the format its own unique characteristics. Starting with RTR gives the format that is the most different from Modern since Modern launched right before RTR. Um, and then for more on that, they will be talking about it again on the weekly stream. Um, and they also talk more about the BNR philosophy on Thursday. And I imagine what they will say about that is, um, well, it says here that the decision for banning the, the fetch lands off the bat was uh, that the fetch land shock land interaction is very strong and it makes three or four color decks the norm and uh, decks become homogenous because you can just put the, all the most powerful cards in one deck and uh, mana constraints will just generate uh, better diversity in the format. And I don't know if they will talk about the continuing BNR philosophy, like what what they're going to be doing when the format actually you know comes into existence and for the you know ban and restrict announcements forthcoming. But I imagine they will tell us that they're going to be fairly mm, what's the word liberal with the ban hammer. They have to be. There's just there's too many there's too many mistakes in in this card pool. They're they're going to have to. They're going to have to ban a lot of things pretty quickly. It's going to be a little bit of fun for for a short period of time. In the meantime, when everything everyone just gets to go absolutely bananas, but uh, yeah, they're they're going to need to step up. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Anything is possible right now. Maybe we'll talk about that in just a moment. What we think are the key cards of the format. But just to finish off the information from the article, um, the format is going to come into existence on Magic Online in October twenty third uh with like leagues and free play and stuff like that and in paper it'll be available uh soon i don't think it actually says here but uh it no be, it doesn't it will be played at ptqs so that will be one reason that it will obviously become popular immediately because people will want to win these ptqs people will have strong motivation and not only ptqs but also grand prix and players tours so we will have PTs in this format starting in 2020. And also the, the first weekend of Pioneer, Pioneer GPs is in at the end of January in 2020. So let's all go to that. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, and our Twitter has just been followed by a group called Pioneer Pals. <laughs> so it's like someone's listening to this podcast right now that, that's not out yet. <laughs> so the content has already been made. They got Siege Rhino as their profile picture. I'm excited. Nice. Uh, it does say here in the article that March 21st is when the uh, like PTQs and stuff will will start to be using Pioneer. Um, oh yeah, they do say here they'll be watching closely and banning cards on off-cycle dates. Oh, so they actually says they actually say in this article 
that they'll be doing emergency bans. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, that sucks for people who are testing for PTQs and stuff if something just gets emergency banned. But I think yeah. they, I think they're right to say that. You know, I was tested for this GP and and feel the room got emergency banned. It happens to everyone. Yeah, it's true. Although it, you know, it PTQs. Uh, oh yeah, it, it. I was gonna say it won't really affect PTQs because they don't start until March twenty first. But they actually do start on Magic Online from what next Friday is it? Uh, two weeks, I think November first. No, that is next Friday, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So November first. Well, I call it Friday week. Anyway. Say it again, Al. I'd call that Friday week, but we don't have to get into that. Okay. All right. We won't get into um date terminology, but yes, uh, there's a big list here of Magic Online PTQs that they'll have. So there's one, two, three, four, six. Six coming up, including a, a Mox preliminary event as well. So I guess seven big events. Uh, the, yeah, very exciting. Cards to watch out for being banned early on. I mean, look at the banned list from previous standards, I guess. Some... I mean, tre- Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time are the biggest ones, right? Uh, Literally I... cards that are restricted in Vintage are the ones you should look at first, even though there's some weirdo ones. Sure, sure, sure. But I think um, with the Fetchlands being banned from the offset, these it's not nearly as worrying treasure cruise and dig through time I, and i think dig through time well both of them were always fine and standard right and dig through time i think I, I feel like dig through time would be fine in this format and but maybe treasure cruise would not I'm, I'm not sure i think i think neither of them will be fine i think they're both like completely ridiculous okay yeah so both of them watch out for those uh emrakul kind of invalidates other top end Nexus of Fate also does a similar thing. Aetherworks Marvel, I think. Marvel, Ramanap Ruins. Like, I think Aetherworks Marvel and Emrakul, cards like that, the fact that Thoughtseize is in the format is automatically a good, you know, <laughs> kind of safety valve for them. But it's also kind of a problem in itself because Thoughtseize is just so much more powerful than most of the cards in the format. Sure. Like Thoughtseize, Thoughtseize might be the best card in the format, apart, like if Dig dig through time and crews aren't yes you could be right there i do like it's kind of it it feels weird to me that lightning bolt isn't in this format yeah that is super weird right yeah what what do we have as a replacement we just have lightning strike and like a couple of varieties of shock fiery temper oh yeah completely forgot about that yeah oh my god lava coil i don't know god fever visions yeah i was was I was thinking of the Fever Visions deck with some of the um, draw two card things, or draw another card, whatever, what synergies in Eldraine, or drawn cards. I love it. Electrostatic field with uh, Thermal. Oh, wonderful. Oh, my boy, one Fumerald. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's, so I, I guess actually, you know, if, if you're if you're really serious about brewing to this format, you know, that's the place to start is the mana base. So we have all 10 shocks, we have all 10 check lands, we have all 10 temples. Um, we have five, the five lands from Battle for Zendikar, the Battle Lands. We have five cycling lands. Were there five or ten cycling lands? Five, I think. I think it was, yeah, I think it was just five, yeah. We have five fast lands as well. And we have five creature lands, right? Um, in terms of the jewels, yeah. Yeah. We have um, the shadow lands from Shadows of Winstrad, which maybe are better because there's so many type lands there. Mm, yeah maybe yeah you could be right actually i was gonna say that they're clearly the worst lands in the format but yeah actually you could be right what do they do again what are they they come in untapped if you reveal a land uh of that type or whatever so if you reveal the blue black one comes in oh yeah like port town and stuff yeah yeah 
Fourth down. Excellent. I think, um, yeah, so something new to get a group lot of type type uh, lands out. Um, Got the cycle lands from Amonkhet. Those are pretty sweet. Yeah. So I was also like, I, I, I literally don't know what happened in Magic 2014 core set. <laughs> were, were there lands in that? Oh, pain lands. Pain lands. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, I get drowsy boys. Yeah. Yes, three colored the drowsy decks. Ah, <laughs> uh, get um, wasteland strangler. Oh, I have to say that's not really where my head goes with this format. Where <laughs> <laughs> where my head always is. Ghost fireblade. Ghost fireblade could be interesting. Yeah, because that rotated out. Oh no, it didn't rotate out with the Eldrazi. It was yeah, it was in the same format. With it was only there. It was only there for a short amount of time. Yeah. Short amount of time. Yeah, because they did that accelerated rotation for that uh, for that amount of time. Um. Ghostfire Babe and Gingerroot. Format broken. Oh my god. <laughs> that actually doesn't sound bad. That sounds pretty good to me. It's... Oh, yes. <laughs> that is actually pretty good. Write that down. That's, that's where I'll start. There's going to be a whole load of really cheap uh, one mana. Um, yeah, we work with artifacts, aggressive artifacts. Yeah. Oh, Boma Courier. Yeah, Boma Courier. And you have a Steel Overseer. Oh. Hangerback Walker, Walking Ballista. Hardened Scales. Oh. Hardens- Hardens- yes. Unwinding Constrictor. Jesus. All right, now we're at two colors with all this stuff. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's it's a whole new world. Yeah. Oh, it's uh, the well, well, it's the Starship Enterprise on the final pioneer of magic. Two colors, but you is that, have, is that uh, really what it is? You have your pain lands, so it's fine. True. So you can just pay yeah. pay colorless with the uh, not take any pain. It's great. Yeah, I know how they work. Okay. <laughs> Um, David Wolf, mansplaining mana bases since yeah. 2015. <laughs> yeah, mansplaining. You ever make someone take life from a pain land when you're controlling them in Emerald? Oh, I love it. No, I don't think so. Can you make them shock themselves now? <laughs> That's pretty good, yeah. I can't wait to control some people with Emerald once again. Uh, tribal strategies also seem quite good, maybe. Uh, like the Zombies tribal deck that we had back in Innistrad up to Amonkhet. Yeah, it included some Innistrad stuff up to Amonkhet. Um, I feel like we have more good zombies now. Like in in that range, there's definitely other good zombies that could probably power up the deck. Um, vampires also seems like it could be really good. So like the vampires deck that just rotated, plus vampires from Innistrad, plus maybe Kalidus and uh, Drana from from Zendikar. Yeah, there's just some kind of random good vampires strewn about the place, right? Yeah. Yeah. Vampire of the Dire Moon. I don't think that's the best vampire. <laughs> uh, what else do we have? Mono Red is obviously extremely strong. Um, Monastery Swift Spear, Eidolon of the Great Revel. Oh yeah, but it's also plenty of options here. Hazaret, Ramanap Runes, Atarkas Command. Let's just name cards for the remainder of this podcast. Yeah, so I'm enjoying this. This is great. Uh, right, it, let's do this next week. Let's do a full yeah. full segment next week. Yeah, well, why, why, yeah, we some, why don't we brew some decks? And let's also yeah, hopefully. rename the podcast to uh, Pioneer something. Something about Pioneer. The Princes, the Poppers, and the Pioneers. God. I love it. Broken. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, yeah. Let's move on from this. We're, we're going wild with ideas here. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll come back next week with some more structured uh, structured ideas and maybe some playtesting. I don't know. We can play it from, on Magic Online from tomorrow. So um, might get some playtesting done. Uh, and even if even if you don't, I mean, we could also we could play it on like X Mage or whatever free alternatives exist. Um, 
So before we wrap up, we have a tournament report from Kieran. So last week you did incredibly well in the uh, the Mox playoff, was it? No, not the playoff, the preliminary. Was that what the it was? Uh, the mo- no no the bo- the modern playoffs, which is oh okay, kind of the culmination of of the the format. Yeah, the, it's it basically the format challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I had thirty-five modern points, which you accrue by playing leagues and the and the modern challenges. So that get, that was my entry fee to that, and it was ten rounds of Swiss, followed by top eight, and I went nine-one in the Swiss, uh, as I mentioned last week, and I won the event, as I also mentioned last week. So last week I was on Green Tron. Uh, we already talked about it, and then this week I entered the Magic Online PTQ. Uh, with a different Tron variant. I played Eldrazi Tron. And sadly, I did not win this event, but I managed to top eight again. So this event uh, had 289 players in the Swiss. It was nine rounds. I went 9-0. Um, at 8-0, I could have scooped my opponent in, but they were on a scary Oko deck, and I didn't want my chalices and ensnaring bridges getting turned into 3-3 Elks. So I tried to dream crush them. I was playing against uh, Ben Jones, the uh, well-known Death Shadow player from Wales. Um, but I unfortunately, well, it wasn't unfortunately, and I didn't get to dream crush him, but also, and he still got in the top eight, but then I didn't have to play him in top eight either. So it all worked out okay, but I made him sweat a little bit by beating him in the Swiss, I'm sure. So yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any, have any questions about it? I don't really know if I should go stream of consciousness or I, I don't want to go like round by round recap or anything like that. Uh, but if you guys have any questions about the event or, or how it went, I know I was, uh, I was blabbing to you guys during it on, on WhatsApp anyway. So you guys already got some of the story. But um, yeah, I don't know. Let me know what you guys want to know. Yeah, well, were this was on the Swiss, yeah. Any, were there yeah. any like tough matchups during the Swiss, or like did things go smoothly? Were there any decks that you faced repeatedly? Um, yeah, I played against Amulet twice. Um, I beat it twice in the Swiss, which was quite lucky because I think that's quite a bad matchup. Uh, that was actually what knocked me out of the tournament then in the semifinals was another amulet player who just had the absolute nuts um i played against jund twice in the swiss beat them twice obviously i went undefeated in the swiss so i mean that's not too hard uh i, I played against uh two uh, three different Wurza variants i think and beat all of them um didn't play against burn what else did i play against man it's tough to remember I don't know. Jesus, I'll have to look through replays. It's like so many rounds. But yeah, the main ones uh, were this. The I remember playing against John twice and, and Amulet twice anyway. Um, played against Dredge once in the quarterfinals. That was a scary one. That was one of the closest matches I've ever had. Felt, I mean, it was super high stakes, right? But it went right to the end of game three. Um, that That's another tough mat- matchup as well. Even though you have a bunch of cheap interaction after board, it's still very difficult. Um, so that was, I'm glad I didn't face that during the Swiss. That was pretty, pretty scary. Um, I, that's a, that's about it in terms of matchups. Yeah. Death Shadow one point? Uh, yeah. Played against Death Shadow in, in the Swiss uh, in round eight. Um, Grix's Shadow. And that, that matchup I find to be pretty okay. They really can't beat a resolved Chalice very easily. And you also have Blast Zone to deal with their 
death shadows so i think that matchup is, is quite easy personally basically like if they play any early Gurmag angler you just chump block it with matter shapers and small creatures uh until eventually you can play you know reality smasher to trade with it or, or something like that and then yeah death shadows you can just uh, you can just blast zone them so it's not uh, not too too hard and they're almost all one mana spells so they, they have a really hard time beating uh beating chalice on one um only played against one control deck played against uh the pen sword who is a pretty well-known blue moon player uh he, he streams blue moon and and basically it's it's what he's always on so you kind of know what you're up against uh if if you see that nickname so knowing that in game one this actually happened to me against a couple of players i felt like i i would I pretty much knew what they were going to be on when I played against them. Maybe maybe they felt like that against me. It's possible people Googled me and thought I was going to be on Green Tron because I just went 9-0 with it last week, and that's on MTG Goldfish. So I was thinking, like, I hope people do think that. And it's also nice. I'm sure you've experienced this as well, Al. When you play Eldrazi Tron and you go, like, mine map, turn one, people obviously assume you're on Green Tron, right? And they're going to play as such. And then when you just hit them with the Chalice next turn, sometimes it's just absolutely backbreaking because they, you know, they, they didn't play around it accordingly. So yeah. I felt like I felt like yeah that might have happened a few times for me like when I played against the Blue Moon player I just kept I had like looked at my first seven and it was just a slow hand but it had a cavern of souls and a map uh, so I knew I could get a, a basic land basically and I already had cavern of souls for the counter spell so I was like yep this is an easy keep uh, so I kept that and the game just went very well after that Be beat my opponent quite easily. Um, so I felt like, yeah, knowing now that I've played a lot of modern over the last while on Moto, I, I got a lot of mileage, I think, out of knowing a lot of the usernames and, and what I was likely to be up against um, in the matchups. Uh, that was pretty helpful. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's also when, when you, if you do something like a turn zero uh, challenge when you know your opponent will have zero mana cards in hand, that is. It's as disgusting as it gets. Yeah, that did happen as well. I played against a uh, mental misstep in round seven. I want to say I can't remember. I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, uh, opponent. They all are, are basically always on Mox Opal decks from what I've seen. So I was like, it's either going to be Affinity or it's going to be Prison or it's going to be Wurza or something like that. But either way, I just, I just in the dark on the play just went Chalice on zero, land go, and yeah, it completely destroyed. <laughs> it turned out that they were on Wurza and they, they got pretty wrecked by that love it love it i'm trying to think what some other nice plays i had were, were oh yeah i had um i played against in i think it was i think around one of the later rounds again i played against uh someone playing uh jund goblins which is a deck i i played against goblin variants but not that one in particular and i was like what's going on here what's going on so i kind of managed to uh to get some blockers down early and stuff like that and it was it was kind of managed managed to slow the game down enough enough that I was able to play out a Karn, but I only had one extra mana with the Karn. And I was like, okay, what do I get from my wishboard? And what I decided was I decided to get Pithing Needle and name Sling Gang Lieutenant with Pithing Needle, because that's the way I've lost that matchup most often before is I've stabilized on the board and then you just lose when they play Sling Gang and, and sack their whole board to kill you. So I did that and then it turned out that it was an incredibly good decision because my opponent was playing Grumgully the Generous in their deck from uh, from Throne of Eldraine, which is the one red green legend that uh all your it's a goblin and all your non-human creatures enter with uh an additional plus one plus one counter so they play that murderous red cap and i can't remember what it's called the uh the bear the the two two for two black goblin would persist it's called like bog something 
Anyone know the name of that card? I don't know what it's called. We don't have that, though. No, but anyway, yeah, so it's a 2-2 with Persist for two. So they were playing these Persist creatures, plus Grumgully, plus Sack Outlets, like uh, like Slingang Lieutenant. So that's that's an infinite combo uh, if you assemble a Grumgully, plus a Persist creature, plus a Sack Outlet. So uh, it was pretty lucky that I named uh, Pithing Needle against that in the dark. Oh, wow. God. Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't know they had that at that point, and I had to kind of piece it together myself. Looking at the Grumgully, I was like, "Why do they have this card?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think they probably won a lot of games against opponents who didn't, who didn't, who didn't play around that. So it shows that, yeah, yeah, knowing knowing these decks, knowing these matchups, and knowing how to win uh, is very important for just for, for being class of modern. Yeah, definitely. I felt like yeah, I've just been playing a lot of modern recently, and I feel like yeah, the, knowing those little things and like even just being familiar with what the fuck Amulet Titan is trying to do, for example, uh, I'll, you know, that, that's been a big reason for my success recently. I don't think I've, I mean, I've got like, I've practiced these decks and I've gotten better at these modern decks obviously as well, but I don't think I've like leveled up hugely as a magic player. I've just gotten very familiar with the format and I'm able to make better decisions in games because of that. I guess that is getting, part of getting better as a magic player but you know what i mean i don't feel like i've had any big level up moments in terms of my strategy or anything it's just being more comfortable in the games i'm playing yeah yeah i guess so. it's supposed to be these level up moments are kind of you know few far between but it's not it's i think level up moments only really happen when you're learning a game i think getting better is just like a gradual accumulation of information uh you're already it's i always feel like it's almost like a myth you just wake up one day and you're you're somebody very good and uh the power was within you the whole time you're on thank you very much it does feel ridiculous though because it's like i know it's fluky to like to any for any good for any player to do like really well at, at a big event like this is, is fluky right you got to get a little bit lucky but i was like i was trying to figure out i was using uh you know the, the classic uh stat tracking uh stat stat track.com or stat track.com wherever it's called it's got the hyper geometric calculator on it i was looking at the binomial distribution for for how well i had done in over the last two weekends and weekends um in this tournament and so i had won 17 out of my no sorry 18 out of my last out, out of the 19 rounds i played in the last two weeks and so even at a i gave myself a 60 percent win rate plugging it into the calculator and that comes out as 0.5 percent chance of that happening but only once in every 200 goes at attempting those two tournaments would i would i ever do so well in both so that either means that i got incredibly lucky which i i definitely got lucky uh um or i should have a better than 60 percent win rate in modern which i maybe do slightly but i don't think it's far above 60 percent. so i i think it's i think it's a mix of both i'm slightly better at modern than i thought i was uh and as well as that uh, i i got quite fortunate yeah, well, it's an amazing run, and uh, I hope you continue in the future. It's a shame that you couldn't have reversed the two results, won this one, and just top aided the other one, because that's what mattered for the other one, right? Yeah, the whole top eight of, uh, of the last tournament got an invite to the Modern Championship on January 4th, so I'll be playing that. And yeah, I unfortunately did not qualify for the, the MC off this, because... There were, there's only one slot on Magic Online for these, uh, which I think is pretty brutal. It's like there were there were almost 300 players in this tournament. You know what I mean? It's like or PTQs. I'm pretty sure have lost a lot less than a lot fewer players than that to like qualify. You know, four people for the the Mythic Championship, right? I know it's a feeder system, so you have to take in the PPTQs and stuff like that. But it's 
it it does just like I didn't feel bad when I got knocked out of the tournament. Honestly, I felt like I played well. Uh, my opponent just had the nuts basically when when they beat me. I was like, that's how it goes. That's modern. I got lucky up until this point. Couldn't just couldn't get luckier that bit longer. Um, but like I feel like they could expand that expand that a little bit because I think it it's so it's it's such a long slog these tournaments and it's 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 so hard to like keep playing for that long like i was playing for like nine hours straight or something like that you know and and until until two in the morning half two in the morning and it's it's just i think it's for for grinders people who play magic more than i do and who who are really like set and they play all of these events every weekend i feel like it's got to be bad for your mental health to have to spike such an insane run like get lucky for so long to uh to get that one qualification i feel like it's a really hard path and they could open it up a little bit and just you know award two slots or four slots if if the tournaments get to a certain size if they get to nine rounds or ten rounds mm. yeah the, the paper ptq is still are one slot only now right as well though oh have they changed it yeah but they're they're a lot of them are going to be pretty small right like, yeah, no, that's. I, I, how many players do you think one in Waterford is going to get? It's going to get fifty people or something. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally agreed. Um, I mean, at least it should be the you know the two finalists that get qualified from these things, right? Yeah, I think so. But anyway, I won some won some boosters, so I'm happy with that. Some boosties. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very nice. All right. Well, yeah. Continued success. Hope you crush it again next weekend or whatever. Although I don't know, maybe you're going to take a break. Sounds like it was. Uh, um, tough tough on the old, uh on the mind and the body there it is it is a little bit you know but like i actually think i'm pretty good at that because i spent so many years as a degenerate dota 2 player just playing dota 2 for hours and hours and hours on end which is also an incredibly mentally stressful game uh so like i think i'm actually i have a lot of experience in the world of uh, marathon competitive gaming sessions so i'm probably you know, I, I think I should use that experience more. Probably, maybe I should try and try and play these more and, and get more deep runs. Because, like, I did notice a couple of opponents making some pretty bad errors at the end, which you know makes sense if you've been playing for like eight hours or something like that. But maybe that's where my edge is coming from in these long tournaments compared to like playing leagues or whatever. Maybe it's that I just do well over longer sessions, and a lot of players don't. Yeah, it could be your edge, your your advantage over other players from from your Dota background. Yeah. So yeah, no, I probably will PTQ PTQ again this weekend. I definitely want to play the uh, the Pioneer PTQ next weekend. So yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna keep at it, man. Although currently my uh, my account is unable to uh, trade anything on Magic Online because they're investigating this. I don't know if I said this on the on the podcast. I think I mentioned it like a one liner last week. But my uh, all my cards got stolen from my Magic Online account and. Uh, there's currently the trading is locked down on my account while they investigate it, and uh, I'm told it's it's I'm probably not going to get anything back, uh, which is a huge bummer because I, I had quite a quite a bit on the account. But so for the moment, all I could, was able to do was rent accounts, which is why I rented Tron last week. I'll draw Tron this week, but then they locked down my account and stopped me from being able to trade anything. So at the moment, I'm just stuck with Eldrazi Tron and I can't play anything else. So I really hope they reactivate that before before the Pioneer PTQ. I'd like to start playing Pioneer. <laughs> I suppose then, would you have played something else that wasn't Eldrazi Tron? If you're for this weekend, if your account was unlocked, yeah, I think I probably would have. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't very happy with Eldrazi Tron going into the event. I haven't been doing too well with it on leagues. It's basically just been a lot of two threes and three twos with like two four ones, and that's it. So it's not like I was crushing with the deck before that. So yeah, I probably would have registered Green Tron again or something instead of Eldrazi Tron. Yeah. 
All right. Well, yeah, hope you continue to crush it. And that's going to bring us to the end of the show. We do have, let me bring them up here, some custom cards from Eamon that I did not read out last week. So I'll read them out now. Have you guys seen these? I have. All right. Well, if you, Ooh, I haven't too. If you want to email us uh, like Eamon did here with some custom cards or some questions or your pioneer brews, I'd be very interested in those. You can email us at skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com and crack is spelled C-R-A-I-C. And so the uh, these custom cards from Eamon are for our Teletime Warp set, our Irish-themed Magic the Gathering set with a mix of old legends and new things. And uh, we've got Fairy Ring. So Fairy Ring is certainly a iconic uh, idea in Ireland and other countries also. It's a blue card. Don't know about that. Uh, seems green but anyway uh, Tuna Blue for an enchantment aura enchant non-legendary creature when it enters the battlefield tap enchanted creature and it doesn't untap during its controller's untap step and its activated abilities can't be activated so this is a very white card or no it's not a white card it's a blue card <laughs> this effect is blue what do you guys think about the uh, the flavor here so the fairy ring keeps keeps the creature contained is that what fairy rings do? yeah I think it makes sense um the non 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 legendary creature, uh, I don't know why it's it's that so much. What's the flavor behind that? Do you guys think? Um, I would say like maybe fairies give a boon to heroes or something like that. Like maybe they're they're okay with heroes coming through their territory, but if it's you're a normal person, then you're going to be trapped. Nice. Okay, I like that. I'm into it. I don't know if I. Mm, I don't know if I like this design necessarily because I feel like this is a bit more active, like to put it onto uh, an individual creature. I think this would maybe work better as just an enchantment rather than an aura. And it said like if if a creature attacks you uh, and then do a freeze, like tap that creature, it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. I don't know what you would have to cost that at, probably like five mana or something, right? Yeah, I could see that. Also, it's kind of a an unnecessary tap for most creatures. Like if you have a clause that says whenever a creature attacks, you tap that creature. That's a bit like weird for new players. Uh, obviously, that's the only way to make it work against Vigilance. But maybe you could just leave that clause out and you could just say whenever a creature attacks you, it doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. And then Vigilance creatures get around it. I think that's probably a better design, actually. And yeah, I like that. Yeah, You can keep keep the non-legendary. All right, and then we have uh, Fionn McCool. So it's a fairly famous figure from Irish Legend. Two white, white, blue for a legendary creature, human warrior, and he is a 2-2. And when he enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 white hound creatures. And other warrior creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And then has blue, tap, scry two. Yeah, this one's just cool flavor-wise, right? I feel like uh, just a single blue to tap and scry two is pretty strong. And you get like uh, you get a lot for the price. So it's like power level-wise, I think it's like pretty decent. Yeah, it's just a nice all-round card. Yeah, yeah, yes, kind of feel like it's pulling in too many directions, right? Though it's like a, it's a, it's a five mana two-two. That's a lord for warriors, but it doesn't give you warriors. It gives you two hounds, uh, and then you have a scry on a creature that's a lord. I, I feel it feels like it's pulling in too many directions. Like it's, I, I like it. It's good. It, um, Eamon said here in the email that he like. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, a lot of stuff going on with the legend of Fiona Cool, so he focused on him being the leader of Nafina and the Salmon Knowledge story making him super wise whenever he uses it. Um, so, like, I can certainly see those, but I feel like as a whole, 
the card doesn't really come together and say Fionn McCool for me. Yeah, I can see that. I always think of accumulating knowledge and magic as been actually drawing cards as well. So I would like, I don't know, yeah, maybe I already, I know I floated this before with the Salmon of Knowledge, but something to do with like counters and like uh, you remove a counter to like draw a card or something like that because you're like tasting the fish. So you're using it up, but like gaining its knowledge. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. I, again, I think that's probably its own design rather than related to this, or but maybe they could interact in some way. Ooh. Oh, yes. Oh, remove its counter from a permanence. Oh, draw card. <laughs> we already have that's already something like that, right? Soul Diviner. Soul Diviner does that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Any permanent from any thing. Remove permanent from players. Counter from a player. Counters. Sorry. Remove counters from players, yeah. Remove, remove permanent from players. Yeah. Right. Well, Strip magic. Well, thank you to Eamon for sending those in. And uh, that is going to do it for us this week. Again, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us, skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at skullcrack on Twitter. Uh, you can tune into the Twitch stream, which uh, Kieran hasn't streamed as much recently because of those big, long uh, modern tournaments where obviously it's a, a disadvantage to be streaming. Or you can stream with the delay, which is just not as much of an enjoyable experience. But uh, I'm sure you'll be streaming a little bit more in the future. So the, the stream is twitch.tv forward slash skullcrack. Yeah, I'll stream. I'll probably stream tonight after we stop recording. I, I did stream the first four or five rounds of the modern playoff last week, but literally just nobody was watching. And I just like, for one thing, it feels weird to stream and nobody's watching. You know, this isn't me complaining. <laughs> it's But it, it does. You're just like, this is a bit weird. I just have my camera on and you've, you know, you're like, it's strange but yeah but then when i was like because of that i was like 4050 or whatever i was i was like okay well now with now with nobody watching i think i just want to turn off the stream in case people do start stream sniping me or whatever but uh i don't mind streaming streaming those ptqs or whatever it's fine even without a delay i think it's pretty unlikely you get you get stream sniped it's probably easier for me, people to stream snipe me now because if you google me my mtg goldfish comes up and also the skull crack twitter comes up so people might connect the dots but you know whatever yeah yeah um definitely some uh individuals trying to get as much of a an edge as they can and hey who can blame them but uh hopefully that does not happen um yeah so that is going to do it for us this week thanks for listening we'll be back next week with some i almost called it frontier pioneer bruce bye-bye bye bye We have a, a quick line versus wolf showdown uh, in, in, in the bank for entries to go. Uh, last week, uh, no one reigned victorious because no one ever reigns victorious when the line faces off against the wolf. This time, we have we have someone, uh, we have a listener who submitted questions, uh, a listener who may be more fair and just than uh, your previous quiz master. This comes from Darren Levy, uh, listener to the podcast. Uh, he, he tweeted us saying uh, he uh, when, when he heard the ban cards quiz, he expected me to take it in a different direction. Uh, so he has given us uh, four ban cards uh, that you that that for for me to read out and for you to guess uh, if if you would like to partake in another episode of Lion versus Above. Do it! I'm up for it. <laughs> sure. All right, we started with Karen last week, so we'll start with Wolf this week. Uh, 
All right, both. This is a two you creature, human wizard. It's from Ice Age. This is your favorite block. Uh, it's a upkeep of one. Uh, you can tap. You can put a, I would say, redacted counter. Put a redacted counter. Well, sorry, it's, I just won't say the name of the counter. <laughs> uh, put a redacted counter on dark creature. If it doesn't have, at the beginning of your upkeep, destroy this creature. Sorry. Put a, put a redacted counter on target creature. If it doesn't have, at the beginning of your upkeep, destroy this creature, unless you pay one for each uh, redacted counter on it, it gains that ability. So you give other things to one of the upkeep. Very strange card. Okay. It's a 1 3. It's a 1 3. I mean, I, I have no idea. No, it's a musician. These are music counters. Oh. The, well, hold on. The name of the card is Musician. Yeah. Oh, that's a weird name for a card. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a strange name. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so that is 0 for 0 for the wolf. Um, yeah, I, I, I was going to pass it over to Kieran as well. Sorry, but uh, I guess if you, if you knew, you would have shouted it out. Did you know that card, Kieran? No. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm also amazed that that's the name of a card. It's one of the worst names I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, you very easily could have said, oh, I knew that. Of course I knew what Musician does. Everyone knows Musician. All right, here's one over here. On. This, has a, this has a better name. Uh, it's uh, one green for creature. Spell Shaper. Spell Shaper? Spell Shaper from uh, Mercadia Masks. It's got green and tap. Uh, discard a card. Target creature gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Uh, this is a 1-1. One, one. Can you say it again? Sorry, I had uh, trouble. It's a, it's it's green tap it so it's a, a creature spell shaper, uh, one okay. green, uh, the mana cost is one green, uh, has ability uh, pay green and tap, uh, discard a card target creature gets plus two plus two till end of turn, turn everything into a giant growth, giant growth. I've I've no idea. This is do you, do you know David Wolf? I do not. No, oh, this is a deep wood drummer, the guy bashing his drums in the woods. Oh, I think uh, okay. I feel like I've seen that card before. Maybe yeah, he's got a big red mustache. Right, this is a more recent one. Okay. What? This for me, is it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is uh, for Kaladesh. It's two green. It's a creature elephant. The beginning of each end step, if a plus one, plus one counter was put on a permanent under your control this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on uh, this card. Um, Is this the one that costs a single green? No, sorry, this costs two green. Two green. Like you're thinking of Ali Bandar. Or another. No, I'm thinking of the elephant. Oh no! Yeah. Oh not no not our elephant. No. Three four. <laughs> yeah. It is. It is. It's like it's like a five drop or something, right? Oh, it's two two green. It's a three oh. drop. What? It's uh, uncommon. Hmm. So if you, say that again, I, I know what this card is. I know what this card is. Okay. So yeah, at the, each end step, yeah, if you, if a plus one plus counter was put on a permanent, okay, under control, uh, this gets a plus one plus one counter. Hmm. And it's an elephant. Yeah. Man, I know what this card is. I just can't remember the name. Oh, uh, do you know? Sadly, I do not know. I can think of the art. It's called like tr- it's a trumpeter, something trumpeter. Yes. Then, then, David, do you know the first word? Then, if Kieran got trumpeter, uh, is it get, elephant trumpeter. <laughs> <laughs> it's elephant trumpeter. No, it's fairgrounds trumpeter. Fairgrounds trumpeter. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. God damn it! I can picture the uh, art perfectly in my head. <laughs> yes, very striking art. Uh, and finally, this is uh, for Kieran. This is uh, from Battle Bond, even more recent. Uh, this is for black for an instant. Put on the battlefield under your control. All creatures, all creature cards in all graveyards are put there from the battlefield this turn. It's uh, a rare. Uh, guitar Hero. Is that what it's called? <laughs> it is not. No. Hey, Wolf, would, you like, would you like to guess? Say, can you, you can? remember this card? It's a. Uh, Born black for an instant, put in the battlefield under your control. All creatures in all graveyards 
they were put there for the battlefield this turn. No, I don't know. So it's a thrilling encore. Ah, oh. two guys walking oh, out onto, onto, onto a big thing. The flavor of this card is welcome to the winning team. Well, I don't think favor text has ever been less relevant for for any situation. Um, well, I guess he's both won. Well, he both lost because well, yeah, he both won. He both figured out tr- um, uh, trumpeter, uh, fairgrounds trumpeter. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah. You know, so Darren, that, thank you, Darren Levy, for those. Uh, he is he is not as kind. Or he's, he's not as he's equally as cruel as I am when it comes to questions. Seems. Yeah, that was tough. Uh, yeah, what musician? What was the theme of these cards? Music. Uh, bands. Bands. One end. Band cards. Oh, I understand. I understand. Cards about bands. Darren oh. should be ashamed of himself. Agreed. <laughs> GG opponent. GG Darren. Yeah. All right. That's it for us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye.